Hello, and welcome to Disrupting the Degree, the education marketing podcast. I'm Stephen Cleary from Carnival Content with Zainab Fayez and Zainab Fayez from The Brand Education. This podcast is all about higher education with industry trends, experts and practical ideas across the student experience, brand and marketing. In this episode of Disrupting the Degree, we're joined by Bryce Ives, Vice President, Communications and Public Affairs for Torrens University, Australia. Hello, Bryce. Thanks very much for joining us today. It is lovely to be part of this. Can you start off by just giving us an introduction to Torrens and explain why it's different? Well, we say that Torrens is Australia's international university, and in part because we're founded on notions of global citizenship, on being digital leaders, in in believing that we should be here for good, and not just now, but into the future. So it's a private university. It's a public benefit corporation. It's a B corporation. And we bring all of that energy um, into building this new university. So, in fact, we are Australia's newest university. We started in 2014 with about 160 students. And we are now close to 20,000 students. Oh, wow. wow. And I think that, you know, for us, there are four promises that drive who we are and what we do. So the first one is... Um, every student is industry connected. So it's about employability. It's about um, working alongside studying, about building notions of the future of work in, in very practical ways into everything we do. The second thing is everyone is global. So we fundamentally believe in global citizenship. We believe in international perspectives. So at Torrens, yeah, we have 117 nationalities studying with us today. And, you know, that growth in terms of um, 160 to 20,000, you know, a lot of that growth is to do with international students, but our approach to international is different. So if you walk into a classroom of ours, our classrooms are always no more than about 20 people. We don't do big lectures. Um, you will never find um, one or two nationalities dominating the classroom we purposely design our classrooms for a global citizenship experience. So, you know, you'll have students from around the world absolutely intrinsically connected. Yeah, the third thing is, um, you know, everything's about choice. Everything's designed for the student. And I think the fourth promise really is that we believe that everyone can change the world. So, you know, unashamedly, we have a belief in social entrepreneurship, in social enterprise, in change making. And, you know, we're a B corporation. We're a proud B corporation. We believe that profit and purpose can go hand in hand. And that's how we approach everything we do. So that, that that's the Torrent story in a nutshell. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. And what subjects do you actually offer then? We have six faculties. So we have a strong design faculty. And, and in that, you know, one of, um, the world's you know most creative animation and digital schools which is the media design school in in Auckland New Zealand we have a hospitality faculty and that's home to the Blue Mountains International Hotel Management School and um, you know that's a like a creme de la creme sort of um, hospitality management experience where the students run a full hotel facility in the Blue Mountains just wow. outside That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So the students are actually working there full time. Absolutely. They, yeah. they oh, that's amazing. It. Yeah, they manage, they live on site. It's a full functioning hotel, similar with our um, our restaurant, the William Blue Dining Restaurant in, in Sydney, which, uh, 
you know, a student in our hospitality program run. It's in the rocks, you know, right near the opera house and regularly rates as one of the number one restaurants in Sydney on TripAdvisor. So it's, it's a, oh, wow. you know, it's do, a popular Do you get a staff place. discount? Look at you, Stephen. You do get a staff discount, but to be, like, honest, I mean, it's actually... You know, it, it is a, a world-class meal at a very cheap price. <laughs> you know, like in, in any other context in Sydney for this meal, you know, you'd be paying $200, $300, we charge $50. And really, the 20% staff discount, I'm happy to um, waive that one because the meals are so good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, we, we, we like, we, our design faculty, we run a creative studio, the Billy Blue Creative Studio. In our health vertical, we run clinics across the country. And, and those clinics, you know, are often connecting, you know, like students who are studying their health degrees um, to communities so they can actually start to build their practice when they leave um, Torres, they might be working in natural medicine, for instance. Um, they're already been working in a clinic. But often those clinics are in neighbourhoods where local community members probably wouldn't be able to afford to go to a clinic if it wasn't run in the way that we, we run it, which is, again, with that here for good focus. So, you know, design, hospitality, health, creative technology and business. We, we have a huge business program. Our MBA is, is um, one of the fastest growing in Asia Pacific, um, but also uh, an MBIS. Uh, and we've, we've developed over the last couple of years a fabulous Masters of Public Health program. And the calibre of international students coming into that alongside local students, you know, uh, uh, people who have studied medicine in Africa or, or nursing in, in um, Latin America, and they want to take their knowledge that they've already acquired and really apply it into a public health context. Now, I mean, obviously, like in light of COVID and, and, and the current environment, that degree is only becoming more relevant by the day. So, you know, like it's, a, it's an interesting mix already, but I guess the other part of our approach is that we work hand in hand with students and with industry. So, like we design curriculum and, and the process of getting new degrees up from the ground, we intrinsically involve employers in the process at every step of the way. And it's not in a lip service sense. It is absolutely a, a rigorous co-design process. We want something that's academically got integrity, but it must also be industry relevant. So because of that, you know, when you ask the question, like what, what degrees do we offer? Like we move quickly as well. Like if we see an opportunity um, and we see an industry need and we see that it's something that's going to offer um, students an incredible experience, you know, we've got an innovation model that means we can get there much quicker than most traditional universities. And I think that that's our secret sauce. Yeah. How quickly is that to market then? Well, look, I mean, it depends on the context, but the, the, but the product design and academic process, I would say we could do between six to eight months or that. Oh, wow. That's, That's pretty brilliant. fast, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, you're Australia's fastest growing university and you only launched in 2014. So what's your marketing strategy? I know it's not all down to marketing, but, you know, that's a great achievement in terms of uh, a new university. So, so let me paint the picture in terms of the, the footprint. So traditionally, uh, uh, an Australian university is located somewhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, usually a start. Yeah. So Melbourne University, surprise, surprise, is located in Melbourne, in, Melbourne. in the state of Victoria, Adelaide, in, in Adelaide, state of South Australia. Universities very much function at, at a beginning point from a state context. So a university is based in a state, usually in one major city within that state. Sometimes if they're regional, they have a few campuses. But, you know, that's the beginning of the approach. Torrens, on the other hand, has a national footprint. So we have legitimate campuses in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, and we have the Media Design School, our sister college in Auckland, New Zealand. Our campuses don't look like traditional university campuses. They are um, small, boutique, student-designed, usually sitting right alongside industry. Um, They're often open plan. They're highly creative and and, and spaces that are full of vigour. Like you just walk in and, and you feel a sense of occasion and community in them. So that's not a small point in terms of marketing because some students are attracted to Adelaide for very good reason. Like Adelaide has a great quality of life. If you're a student, it's it's a cheap city to live in. Uh, but also if you're an international student, there are really great incentives to be in Adelaide in the long run. Some students, particularly Latin American students, love Brisbane. You know, like Brisbane close to the Gold Coast, close to the Sunshine Coast. Sydney, of course, is you know, like uh, built around the harbour and our campus, our campuses in Sydney are just breathtaking. You know, we have one in the rocks, a beautiful design campus in Ultimo, the William Blue um, Restaurant, the Blue Mountains Hotel School. So you can get a sense from this straight away that from a marketing perspective, it's about tailoring to the individual and having that Mm. sense of choice, that sense of flexibility. But then Beyond that, we've taken a trimester model from word go. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have many intakes across the year, which, again, is about that flexibility point, that choice point. We don't think um, face-to-face and online are, are, are different. We treat them the same. And so we have high-quality online programs and we have high-quality face-to-face programs. And, and, you know, we expect that our students might jump in their degree between the two from time to time, depending on where they're at and what they're doing and and all of those sorts of things. So, like, all of that's kind of key. But, you know, if if there is a North Star, if there's something that really drives the approach, it is truly about access. And what I mean by access is we want every one of our students to get the job that they love. You know, we want them to, we want to build on their strengths We want to position them so they are employable. And there is a lot of discussion about employability in universities and and a lot of perspectives about vocational education and and how much a university should be focused on employability. I, I come at it, you know, after 20 years of working in communities around the world in, in developing countries in, um, in Australia and in, in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander contexts. And I've come to a point where I truly believe economic mobility is the most important thing we can do if we want to shift the dial um, on the well-being, the health and the success of communities. So Absolutely. in other words, you know, like our graduates getting the jobs that they love is not something that we should say is, is, is secondary or not important 
um, or, or, or um, should be at the core of the university. If, if universities are fundamentally about participation and if we really believe that everyone deserves the chance of education, then economic mobility is the key. It's the key yeah. to change. We so, agree, yeah. You know, like the, like the Torrens mantra publicly is love what you do. You know, like that's that's the brand um, and it's beautiful. And you, and, it is. You, you know, like we're super proud of that work. But in essence, like it's also about being able to advance your own self. And when you do that, you will lift others. You will lift your communities. And when you look at our cohorts, a lot of them are first in family. You know, when you see um, them cross that stage of graduation, uh, it's an electric feeling because for many of them, they never imagined this possibility. It's really, for me, um, opened my eyes to the value that private investment can deliver with public, you know, the public good. Yeah. So, you know, like I think that um, Torrens on a daily basis demonstrates at scale now across Australia what the what the role of private higher education is and how it can contribute to a broader ecology of education. We're not better than the public. We're different. And it's good to be different. Well, because that difference will only lead to stronger educational outcomes, not just for our students, mm-hmm. but for others. Because, yeah. you know, with our difference, what that does is it, is it, it creates a conversation amongst higher education practitioners about what that difference means. And some of that innovation has been borrowed and picked up by other universities in Australia now. And likewise, you know, we steal things all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's the heart of creativity, isn't it? We we have a fundamental belief, our president and CEO, Linda Brown, who's a phenomenal um, educator and, 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 and business thinker, always says, um, don't be the smartest kids in the room. You know, like when you see a good idea, back it, borrow it, steal it, you know, like, and apply it in, a, in our own context. It will only make us stronger. Like, you know, you asked the question right at the outset about what, what drives us. But I, and I think that actually as, as I'm talking, I, 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 I forget to mention that it's always about collaboration and partnership. So, you know, when I say, you know, connected with industry, it's not, connected with industry just because we need to do it at one stage of the process. It's like, actually, no, we want to be industry's university. And when we do that, our students will thrive, will thrive. Communities will prosper. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a great approach. That leads me on to say you're not ranked. You know, you're a very young institution, so you're not ranked in Times Higher Education in QS. And and some universities are very obsessed that um, rankings help increase student recruitment. But considering you're international and, you know, the fastest growing university in Australia, do you think that there's some, you know, that you can share some secrets in terms of, you know, what can universities be doing to move away from, you know, the fact that rankings look at institutional performance, but not necessarily look at students? Look, I think that, like, there are many instances where rankings are incredibly important and Mm -hmm. and we should never discount, you know, those sorts of processes. Mm -hmm. But uh, to think that every student fits in the box of looking at rankings would be naive and would also be turning your back on the opportunity. And the opportunity, quite simply, is that there are many students who don't fit within the box, yet they are exceptional. And and when you build on their strengths, you know, you can 
do and contribute something amazing to the world. So um, in other words, like in Australia, like in many contexts, when, when you finish school, you get your final exams and you get a number, you get a ranking yourself. And that's what determines, you know, whether you study medicine or law or not or whether you get into the right university. Our approach has been um, we're not interested in those rankings. We're interested in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're interested in finding out what your strength is or what your passion is. And, and then we'll, we'll try and find the sweet spot within our programs. And maybe we're not the right institution. And if we're not, we'll tell you honestly as well. And, and, um, and, there'll, and there'll be no hard feelings if, if another institution is, is, is better suited for you as a learner. I think that when you bring that mindset in, rankings become less important. Now, there is always going to be markets that are focused on rankings as well. But yeah. for instance, you know, like the, um, the Chinese market where you would say rankings are important. We are building a strong number of students from China as well and we're not listed on the rankings. And in part, they're coming because of the employability focus. They're coming because of the hands-on Blue Mountains experience, you know, like parents can see value in these things as well. So, yes, yeah. you know, I think that, I, look, it's a really interesting question. Um, the, the, of course, the obsession with rankings doesn't bring up the elephant in the room, which is rankings don't necessarily reflect the student experience, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, in other words, retention and student satisfaction Rankings are often research-based, and research, of course, is incredibly important. But the student experience, I think, in the end, will stand up, and 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 you've got to then trust your brand, don't you? So your, your number one advocates need to be your alumni. You know, yeah, they're, they're the ones that need to be out there selling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree yeah, with that. That's really um, student-centric. You know, targeting learners. I think that's a great approach. So, Bryce, tell us, what attracted you to your current position and just a little bit about your career? I think that if you have a look at the executive of of Torrens University, we're all unicorns. (laughs) 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 We are such an odd mix of of personalities to all end up in universities. And, you know, many of us have lived multiple lives outside of universities. So, you know, Linda, who I was referring to before, you know, like she's got huge standing in education, but before that she was a futurist stockbroker and a, a banker. Um, you know, even our vice chancellor, um, Professor Alvain Lowe, he had a huge um, career in business in South Africa and in Africa before he went into academia. You know, for me, I've come from probably the oddest mix of, of, of all of our executive. Uh, I, I started in, in broadcast radio and broadcast TV. I quickly realised that what I was most interested in was using storytelling to create transformation and change. And my career morphed into, um, you know, elements of community development through media making. And so I was making programs, TV and radio that was, you know, all about shifting people's perspectives. And over time, that became interested in, in the way that creativity can inform innovation and ultimately economic development. So, you know, I've done all sorts of things around the world, but on, on a daily basis, when I get up in the morning, I think two things really drive me. One, you know, I, I believe that engagement, engagement plus creativity 
equals um, an exceptional culture. And I'm trying to foster that all the time in, in our students and in our staff and in our alumni and within our stakeholders. And then I think, secondly, um, this, this point that profit and purpose can go hand in hand to create massive global change. And so with Torrens, I get to do those two things on a daily basis in, in an institution that is fundamentally creative um, and and a fun place to work. Like we actually love what we do. You just tell by your passion as yeah. well, actually. Yeah. You're incredibly passionate. You can tell you love what you do. Yeah, you I also just... sound a bit like an entrepreneur yourself, yeah. you know, like it's but... almost as though you're driving a business, but it's like your business. Um, it sounds like the perfect mix yeah. of going from a broadcast background into hybrid learning. Yeah. And it, it just makes so much sense, which definitely brings me on to the next question, which is uh, prior to the pandemic, so studying online was often considered almost second-class education. So how does Torrens ensure academic quality online? Gosh, this, that conversation frustrated us no end because what does that say about the quality of universities if we're suggesting that online education is something lesser to face-to-face? If we're accredited universities, if, if, if a student is walking across the stage to get a degree, frankly, the quality of the degree must be the same. And so, like, when that Definitely. debate erupted, yeah. uh, for us, it was a, it was a moment of, of shock to be, to be reading those opinion pieces and, and some of that thinking. Um, like it's old-fashioned, really, isn't it? Yeah, traditional. But, but what, a, what a disservice to the students because, again, you know, a working-class mother who um, has three kids who has decided to come and study with us and is predominantly doing online is doing her online studies in the evenings, in the weekends. You know, are we saying to her, listen, because you're doing your studies online, they're actually not as, um, they're not as rigorous, they're not as good, they're not as effective as if you were face-to-face. How on earth, you know, can we, can we believe a proposition like that? For us, online education and face-to-face must be equal in quality. And, yes. you know, we've always worked with that mindset. Now, in terms of the question, how did we respond to the pandemic? Well, even with that mindset, it was challenging because there were some programs that had almost always been traditionally face-to-face, like obviously the restaurant, for instance. You know, like as, as um, like we had never had necessarily an online component there, but because we had enough scaffolding online across enough of our programs And because we had the belief and the mindset that what we should do online must be equal, if not better than face-to-face, because we had that mindset, it meant we could pivot what we needed to very quickly. And, you know, I think we did it within the space of a week. We had all 19,000 students fully online within the space of a week. Wow. That's amazing. Um, And our 2,000 staff all working remotely. That was March 23 that week. We then monitored the student satisfaction. We, we listened to some of the predominantly face-to-face students' feedback in terms of online and quickly took on that feedback. So, for instance, you know, I'm talking about 
you know, every week we were sort of monitoring this very closely because with retention... This is exactly what we were talking about in the first episode of this was a feedback loop mm-hmm. and weekly is just essential to succeed when moving students this quickly from face-to-face to online. So that's amazing to see that you've done that. And it's also a sustainable sort of model as well, you know, quickly adapting, quickly being flexible and actually meeting the needs of those that are important to you, of course. And look, it's not been without... It's It's roadblocks and bumps and, and all of the stuff you of course. Yeah. I mean, we, we had moments ourselves where, where we got things wrong. Like, for instance, we didn't anticipate what kind of stress it would have on our call centre, for instance. And it had a huge stress because suddenly all of the interstitial connections that happen between students walking um, around campuses and talking to people were not happening. And so there was a demand that we hadn't anticipated. But because we we were honest with ourselves, we were surveying regularly uh, and, you know, and we also could identify the, the teachers who needed assistance. That was one of the things that we did very quickly. We realised that there were some teachers who were brilliant but had not really had that much experience online. And I think, you know, week two of the, of the pandemic, we were running massive big professional development workshops for a smaller cohort of teachers and, you know, some of those teachers now are our best online practitioners. I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but also it's been fabulous, like, seeing some of the creative solutions that, that, that have come through, you know, like, um, we never knew that we could deliver the hospitality management program online. And it turns out there are bits of it that we can do really well online. And, and you know, that's going to then change the whole conversation about what we do face-to-face when we're back on campus. Because I think that also, you know, like with face-to-face, ultimately when students are coming into a campus, don't we want to offer them the most incredible experiences? Yeah. You know, the most compelling reason to be there. And, and so, like, it's, it's I mean, it's it's been a challenging time, but we've learned a hell of a lot. Yeah. So what, what does your student experience look like now then compared to before COVID? Well, in Australia, we're still very much. <laughs> I mean, like the, I mean, we are still predominantly, we'll be online now until next year and, and then we will review at that point. I think that the, the experience overall now is like, you know, virtual orientations, virtual graduations. What we've been focusing on more is how we bring the student culture that exists on campuses into the online space as well. Like mm-hmm. that was probably one thing which surprised us a little bit, you know, like that we didn't, hadn't thought necessarily, gosh, you know, like we, we might need to do more facilitating around that. We have and, mm-hmm. and worked really closely with our ISRCs and our student leaders. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, but in saying all of this, I would expect that next year, you know, we will still be predominantly delivering programs online but we have opened up campuses where we can now for unique student experiences so for instance in Adelaide where I think there is no COVID restrictions at the moment you know we've been opening up the campus again for experiences but we've got to to say that's a choice Mm -hmm. you know we're not demanding that students come back we're not I'm saying to staff that they must be back on site because we're really super aware that this is this is going to be a complex long-term challenge that we need to manage as educators and 
we're confident in the online platform, but we also, we know like opening up that Adelaide campus, it means that 30 to 40 students are popping in each day just for the little things that they need right now. And, and, um, and we'll continue to sort of build that muscle again over time. And when we return, we're, we're going to return with triumphant ideas. It'll be fabulous. <laughs> no, I bet. Yeah. So I know we touched on collaboration and industry partners, you know, earlier. So it's a common selling point for universities to say they work with industry partners, but Torrance has a completely focused on industry recognised skills. How does that work? So, I mean, those, those industry partners for us, you know, like, for instance, IBM and Amazon Web Services, we've developed six micro-credentials in partnership with them. Or we're, we're making a, a massive virtual reality project called Thin Ice, which um, enables users to experience the 1914 um, expedition of um, Sir Ernest Shackleton across Antarctica. Now, that's, oh, wow. that's, that's a partnership. <laughs> You know, like mm. we, like Microsoft is involved in that partnership, or um, you know, Opal Aged Care, which is a really great example, um, which is like one of Australia's leading aged care providers. Well, not just our our health students work with Opal, but our hospitality students do as well. So, like in every vertical, you know, I could I could I could literally talk underwater all day about our about our industry partnerships. But you know, part of that is actually a, a notion which um, you know I, I feel very strongly about, which is that our academics also come from industry and maintain that connection with industry. So it's so important. Yeah, yeah that word "pracademic," which you know, means that they're they're bringing it in all the time in different ways. So you know, like our our um, Billy Blue Design College so many of our best teachers are also some of Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane's top-notch designers as well and and they keep a foot in both camps and what it means is they bring a absolute um, edge to the classroom to their teaching and and that edge is an industry connection you know and and, and that's critical Pracademic is my new yeah. word of the month I, I haven't think. actually I'll heard be... of that one before <laughs> it's, it's a, a new one, one for yeah. us <laughs> We'll have to title this as uh, Torrens, the Pracademic <laughs> University. Can I, I, I say, I, I actually, I'm, I, I stole that one off Linda Brown, our, our president. She, uh, she, uh, she, it's, it's one of her favourite words and I love it as well. Yeah, so we, did she invent credit. it? We'll just, we'll just say she invented that one yeah, <laughs> until, <laughs> until we find the source. She is, she is Scottish, so there are occasional words that she does invent. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe she did. <laughs> so it is incredible and uh, Torrens has embodied so many of the things that we've been talking about over the last few months actually I mean yeah. just the fact that you use UX designers to create your course materials yeah. alongside the academics is, is just yeah. brilliant that's what online learning is all about yeah. is the visual experience as well as the content mm-hmm. so I, I'd say you pretty much are the university of the future which was kind of be going to be my question what do you think the university of the future will look like so Mm. i'm going to flip that around and say what advice would you give to traditional universities to innovate and keep up with Mm. the likes of yourself oh i'm not going to give any any universities i'm not going to be nice what i will say is i what a strange time for us to be having this conversation when borders are, are closed around the world, when, you know, last summer in Australia we witnessed 
the most horrendous bushfires you can imagine. We're in a, we're in a, a global recession now. We are, we're um, trying to manage our way through unprecedented events. And so if we don't work with a sense of collaboration, of openness, of yes. transparency, of accountability where, to ourselves and to one another, if we don't work like that, we are not going to shift the needle where it matters most. And so, you know, like I, I don't want to be righteous because we've, we, we, you know, like I'm not going to give advice to other universities. Every university is innovative in its own ways. It's, it, every university is trying as best as it can. But I feel like for those of us with leadership roles, we've got to have a hard look at ourselves and ask the question, are we truly living the values that we say are core to our missions? And are we truly open? And, and, and collaborative. And I feel like if higher education is going to be part of the solutions that are required right now, genuinely part of the solutions, it will require more openness and more collaboration. And, and we've had to face some hard truths on that front as well, like within, within our own organisation, like we've had to realise we need to play more openly. And so, like, you know, an example of that, we organised a virtual careers festival for for year 12 students, their final year of secondary school in in Australia. And we very quickly realised if it's just the Virtual Careers Festival with Torrens University, that's not really giving them many options. So um, we opened up that amazing platform to all 40 public universities. We made it free for students, free for everyone to be involved. And we also worked with that open sense that, um, you know, it's, it's in the student's interest so Monash University, you know, picked up, you know, 1,600 leads over two days. Fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Great news for them. And, and, and we also picked up leads, but we also together created an opportunity for students in the middle of a pandemic. You know, the, the, the old careers festivals are critical for, for, for parents and for, for students to yes. work out what it is they want to do in the future. That advanced everyone. And I'm saying that because for me, we've got to do that more. We've all got to do that more. And, you know, and that's actually not just about higher education. It's about you know, every part of society. But, you know, we, we sit well and truly within that, that challenge. We must as universities be open and relevant. Bryce, it has been Amazing. absolutely incredible yeah. speaking to you. You haven't disappointed at all. We were really excited to <laughs> yeah. get you on. We were really and excited, yeah. It's been very thought-provoking too, yeah. actually. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, it is, uh, like, it's a beautiful summer's day in Melbourne. We're, we're in week 122 of the most severe lockdown in the world. Um, and your beautiful British voices have given me so much, <laughs> so much energy. I'm going to bounce around my house now with my mask on and, and feel a little bit better about the world. So thank you. We, we definitely want you to come back yeah. and talk yes. about some of these things in more detail. But thank you so much thank for you your so time. Much, thank Bryce. you so much, Bryce. Thank you. Thank you so much. In next week's episode, we're joined by Felicity Gasparo, owner of Oyster Outcomes. We'll be discussing her research into the well-being and mental health of academics and staff during COVID. If you like what you're hearing, then it would mean a lot to us if you'd subscribe. Disrupting the Degree is brought to you by The Brand Education and Carnival Content. Mm-hmm.